I'm on the right path. Effort is the path. And you start to tap into these systems. You develop what my colleague at Stanford, Carol Dweck, coined growth mindset, which is not just the belief that you can be better. Growth mindset at its core is about driving dopamine release from the effort and strain process. It's about enjoying friction. This from Stanford neuroscientist Dr. Andrew Huberman in his interview with Ed Milet on The Ed Milet Show. Tune in for more on how to use dopamine to achieve your goals, what prevents you from moving forward in life, and the best way to reward your small successes. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. I had Dr. Huberman on the podcast a few weeks ago in episode three. Optimize your biology with free light therapy hacks to improve sleep and minimize seasonal depression. And just in case you missed it, there's a link to that episode in the show notes below. And the reason for his quick comeback is to share what drew me to his work in the first place. It's his research on how dopamine can be used to overcome the obstacles that stop us from moving toward our goals, as well as our ability to retrain our brain to enjoy the struggle of pursuing our dreams. And being that it's the end of another year when 93% of us who set New Year's resolutions, myself included, several times actually, end up failing to get past even the first few weeks of month one, I thought it a good time to bring attention to how we can change that. I can't tell you how often I quit something because it was hard. And I obviously hadn't hit the genetic lottery, so why try? I usually failed in my mind before I even began because I was sure that I wasn't talented enough. And what I realized, and yes, I'm a friggin' genius, is that learning something new is supposed to be hard and I'm supposed to be challenged because if it was easy, well, everyone would do it. And even knowing that now, There's still times when I just plain hate it, like pull my hair out, rather get a root canal type of hate. I'll come home from a particularly shitty night in, say, acting class, for instance, and think, what the hell am I doing? Why do I keep punishing myself over and over, week after week, feeling like a complete idiot in front of people who have nothing but judgy looks and critical thoughts. They don't, by the way. They're actually very sweet and extremely supportive, but that's just the shit that runs through my head. And really, I'm the one judging myself. The thing is, I don't even want to be an actor, so what possesses me to go all in? Why keep showing up? Well, I know why. (laughs) And it's the skills I'm gaining as I go. I mean, what better way to learn things like thinking on my feet, being completely present, gaining confidence, facing my fears, expressing myself, actively listening. The list goes on. It's basically therapy and self-development all rolled up in one. And 
It's also about the person I'm becoming along the way, which is a better version of who I was from going through the process. So the question is, even with all these irrational fears in my head, so the question is, even with all these irrational fears in my head, who wouldn't want the rest that comes with it? And since we're being honest, I find it difficult to understand people who don't want to be their best. Okay, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Maybe they do, but they just can't quite see the forest through the trees. And for me, I think I just want to do better. I want to be better, feel better, showing up as the best possible version of myself, constantly up-leveling, leaving average in the dust and bringing that into the world to make it a better place. I mean, don't you just want to be fucking amazing? Surviving was fine for our ancestors, but now we have every opportunity to thrive. We've got things like books and YouTube, podcasts, courses. I mean, experiment, do shit that scares you. Sky's the limit. I read this book a while back called Can't Hurt Me by retired Navy SEAL David Goggins. And his greatest fear, can you guess? No? Okay. (laughs) Getting to heaven and hearing a list of his life accomplishments compared to a list of potential accomplishments or what could have been and feeling regret for not living up to them. A quote that sticks with me and... I can't remember where I heard it, but it's a moment of fear or a lifetime of regret. And FYI, if you do check his book out, he is a fan of four-letter words. Not even a fan, a super fan of four-letter words. So you've been warned. (laughs) For anyone like myself, many times in fact, who didn't know or just isn't sure of what they want or even where to start, David has a great answer for you. Work on your insecurities, the skills, the habits, the beliefs that you're just not strong in and you'd like to get better at. Maybe it's something like public speaking or photography, connecting with people, sales, confidence, a new workout routine. Just pick something, anything. Learn about it. Go all in, both feet first, and then rabbit hole into something else. And then another thing and so on. Explore a few things, try a few things, and whatever resonates, do something more with it and pursue it with more purpose. That's been really helpful advice on my own journey, and while I know it's not the end-all be-all, it's definitely a place to start. And as challenged as I've been in finding my purpose and setting goals, in some ways, that's kind of the easy part. What gets me stuck is taking the action needed to attain those goals. And one thing that's helped, and I think it might surprise you, drum roll please. Okay, I don't have a drum, but it is anxiety. And Dr. Huberman's perspective on anxiety has made me realize what a gift it can be. My daughter, who's always had a, shall we say, love-hate relationship with school, loved the social life, hate the academics, but still made it to college and found it challenging. I would get frantic phone calls and text messages at all hours of the night with her in tears and thinking, well, what moms typically think, who died or are you pregnant? Or I don't know what else is there. (laughs) She has a definite flair for the dramatic and thankfully it was none of those things and usually had to do with grades or boys, both of which filled her with extreme anxiety. The boys always needed to go, but the work had to be completed, and it did, 
because those anxious thoughts that kept her up at night studying hours on end for four straight years, they were the rocket fuel that propelled her into taking action on what needed to get done. And maybe it sounds counterintuitive because we've been so conditioned to medicate or treat our negative emotions, but really, what if this quote-unquote negative emotion is just nature's way of getting us to move? And rather than suppressing what's essentially a symptom, that is anxiety, we get to the root of why it's presenting. After my divorce, I'd wake up countless times in the middle of the night, freaking out about my finances because I never had to worry about them before. Actually, I wasn't allowed to worry about them before because, well, I just, I couldn't be trusted with money or so I was told. But I'll tell you what, I never had a better handle on them than I did at that time. It forced me to learn about savings and retirement. And I even joined a money mindset course, which has added a whole other set of benefits to my life, none of which I would have ever done if not for those feelings moving me forward. And by the way, if you're someone that has that 3 a.m. alarm in your head, I found stream of consciousness writing is great for getting out of your mind and onto paper. Otherwise, I'm up. So what about you? Got any goals? writing them down, making any progress. Humans are a goal-driven species, and we will experience anxiety if we aren't working towards something, because otherwise we aren't growing. And if we aren't growing, we're not living. And if we're not living, then what are we even doing? Take nature, for example. What are trees doing? They're expanding, flourishing, changing. And what happens if they stop? They become dead wood. I don't want to be dead wood. Do you? I think it's one of the most significant things ever said on the show, honestly. And and it explains my own life experience or my relationships. I want you to hear what he just said, everybody. That you're getting more dopamine on average in the pursuit of your dream and your goal than you actually do with the attainment of it. And that maybe there's a little key here to if dopamine sort of a happiness drug, right? If you want to call Makes it that. you feel good. Could it not possibly be true that one of the keys of happiness in life is the pursuit of something great, the pursuit of growth, and, and that that's the key, that, it's, that you don't have to achieve everything in order to give yourself the gift of happiness? I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just, that's so freaking significant because I think a lot of people sort of cheat themselves from just the pursuit because they think, well, I'll only be happy when I get there. I'm not qualified. I haven't read enough. I don't know enough people. I don't have enough context. And they're, they stand still and they're not happy. And what they're missing is the science that tells us, actually, if you just begin to pursue this and show some progress towards it, that you're going to get that happiness you're seeking that you think you will only get when you get there. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you bring this up because, you know, there are some concepts from psychology that we can start to weave into this. Um, you know, I can give examples from evolutionary biology, you know, an animal that's thirsty goes out looking for water. And when it's finds that first drop of clean water, dopamine is released, but maybe that's not the, the big lake that it needs, but that's going to tells it it's on the right path. And it's, and dopamine naturally causes neuroplasticity of whatever brain circuits were active previously. So it says, Hey, whatever I did to get to this point, this milestone, not the finish line, that is something that I might want to repeat reflexively in the future. I might not want to have to work so hard to do that. Now, the cool thing about dopamine, 
many cool things about dopamine. And then it has a dark side. And we should talk about the dark side because even if, and I'm not, and of course the dark side can be associated with drugs of abuse like cocaine and things, but I'll actually there's a, there's a more, even more sinister dark side okay. that I think a lot of people fall into this trap. So the great things about dopamine is it rewards us and it gives us energy. And when I say energy, I don't mean glycogen. I don't mean glucose. I mean, neural energy. And the reason is effort of all kinds, whether or not you're writing with a pen whether or not you're racing uphill with a weight vest or whether or not you're you know, slogging it out through any discomfort is generally associated with the neuromodulator adrenaline, also called epinephrine. Okay, so adrenaline in the body, is, it's called adrenaline in the body, it's released from the adrenals. And then epinephrine in the brain is released from a couple places, but there's one particular place for the aficionados. It's called the locus ceruleus. It's in the brainstem. It wakes us up. It gives us a sense of urgency and it's about effort. And it doesn't care if you're doing something out of love or out of hate, out of revenge. It does not care. These are neurochemicals and they don't care about you or your life experience, but they are in your brain and they are the engines. Okay. Wow. Now the cool thing is it gets you going and it's the effort molecule. But the problem is too much epinephrine or adrenaline eventually triggers literally a quitting circuit. There was a study published in 2019, which showed that for every bout of effort, a bit of adrenaline or epinephrine is released. And once those accumulate enough times, it's like spending money on an account, a, a set of cells in the brain, they're called glial cells, activate and they turn off voluntary control. This is the reason why if you're running, you eventually might just say, that's it, I give up. It's the despair moment and it's a chemical moment. Now what's, we could go deep into that, but the important thing for now to understand is that dopamine allows the brain and the body to tolerate higher levels of epinephrine and to continue in effort as well as pushing down that level of epinephrine. You've experienced this before, Ed. If you've been working really, really hard and it's just, or something's just terrible and you feel like you can't continue and someone cracks a joke, instantaneously you have more levity, more energy. That couldn't have been liver, glycogen, or anything kind of in the body. That was neural energy. That was dopamine. Likewise, if you suddenly have the moment where you think you're at a breakthrough, not a falsely created belief like, oh, I'm performing well when I'm not performing well, but you have a breakthrough like, oh my goodness, I think I'm onto something. You feel that more energy and that's dopamine in action. And the, the beauty of dopamine is it's very subjective. There are chemicals that will release dopamine in the body, but it is very subjective. And so I always like to give the example, you know, people always say a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. How do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? But what's missing in those kind of those common phrases is that the key is to reward each bite subjectively, or wow. let's say you're full, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, you can't put it, put it in more effort. If you subjectively reward and you say, I'm on the right path, effort is the path. And well, you start to tap into these systems, you develop what my colleague at Stanford, Carol Dweck coined growth mindset, yes, which is not just the belief that you can be better, but growth mindset at its core is about deriving dopamine release from the effort and strain process. It's about fr enjoying friction. And this is what people like you, 
what you know uh, David Goggins is a famous and, and uh, shining example of this, and there and there are others as well, of course. So dopamine is your best friend in mitigating or making sure that the effort process is not self-limiting. It's and you have to regularly dose your behaviors and your thoughts with this dopamine association. And people get very hung up on this. They're like, wait, how do I know if I'm doing it right? Well, it's a skill you have to learn in your mind because thoughts are spontaneous. They can, are like pop-ups on a poorly filtered internet, but thoughts can also be deliberate. I can decide to tell myself, look, I'm straining, but I'm going to reward this. I'm going to tell myself I'm on the right path. And the brain and the body don't know the difference. And this is not lying to yourself. This is not saying, right. oh, you know, I'm really back on my heels. I'm performing poorly. It's not telling yourself you're performing well. It's telling yourself that performing itself, the verb effort, the verb of performing is what you want to reward, not gigantic, the noun. Gigantic. I got to jump in again. Gigantic. Gigantic. Because one of the things that I teach the athletes I work with are the business people. And I love understanding why even more. But one of the things that I've noticed is people that continue to make an effort are intentional about acknowledging that effort to themselves. And you call it giving self-credit or celebrating. So this is really critical, guys. You've heard me say this before. Andrew's telling you why it works. The bottom line is, is that as you're making these effort deposits, it's being intentional and aware that you're doing it. Giving yourself credit for a real thing you're doing gives you this dopamine reward and you continue to move forward. I, I, I want to go like 11 hours with you, bro. But I think the, I always want to pull out, like unpack, how's this application to the performance piece? And again, you athletes that are out there listening to this, that are doing this one more that I teach, when you do the one more, it's reminding yourself, I just did one more. Maybe you didn't lift more weight today. Maybe you didn't run faster. Maybe you missed 35 putts. But that effort deposited and that intentional acknowledgement of the effort reward is so critical in confidence, in happiness, in progress, as he's told you. Can I unpack another piece and ask a question about that? Please. No, and, and, and I love your synthesis of it because, um, yes, please. Okay. So you said something earlier, but I don't want to move past because you hear people talk all the time about habits and rituals and, you know, and every, that's like this Vogue thing to talk about, right? But you said something earlier, but I want you to, if you would just explain again. One of the things I've learned from your work is this concept that you said earlier, but I, it was in the middle of so many gems, is that the brain would like to preserve energy and uh, I'll use it, say it my way, and move to default reflexive mode. So as many things as it can process and just default to reflexive mode, rather than effort mode with critical thinking and adjustment, it will do. So your brain is constantly trying to find ways and situations and circumstances you're in to default to what you do reflexively. Okay. So would that not mean then, Andrew, that those things you do reflectively called habits and rituals better serve you or you'll default continuously to the reflexive mode of drinking or laziness or the video game or Instagram? That's a reflective default mode. Some people for stress, they encounter stress, the brain reflects to a default reflexive mode of whatever they do to cope with that stress. True? Absolutely. You know, it, I think um, I'm not alone in the noticing that occasionally I pick up my phone and I log into an app and I didn't make the conscious decision to do it. I just do it reflexively. I might even go into a sub window within that app. And the reason is that the brain and the nervous system are constantly seeking rewards and novelty. And 
if we're not deliberate about how we're doing that, we will do it entirely reflexively. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I enjoy social media, teaching neuroscience on Instagram. I enjoy doing that. And, and I, I enjoy the feedback of most of it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm human. Um, right. So, but I think the brain and nervous system wants to make things reflexive and habits are very powerful because they are, they set us on trajectories. Now, some people, they are uncomfortable with the fact that effort is the first gate that you have to go through in order to build this pathway that involves norepinephrine or an adrenaline and epinephrine. And, and I, sometimes people jump on me about using norepinephrine and epinephrine interchangeably. I know they're not the same thing, but today we're just going to broadly describe them as systems in the brain and body, not get too down in the weeds. But the idea is you've got effort. You can associate that with adrenaline epinephrine. You've got dopamine, which is your internal reward system. And it can be externally rewarded. So this is very important. There are intrinsic rewards and extrinsic rewards. There's a beautiful study that was done at Bing Nursery School at Stanford. I had nothing to do with this study in the mid seventies where they took kids that liked to draw and they then rewarded some of those kids with just a little star, like kids like, you know, the shiny star makes them special for drawing. Then they took away the star next day or the next day. And the kids that liked drawing just for the intrinsic pleasure of it, they drew less. So the, the, so these reward systems can attach to external things or internal things. I have a good buddy. Um, he's, he's friends and co, uh, co-founders of this company made for that you uh, talked yeah. to Blake Mykoski about his name yeah. is Pat Dasse. He's a former Navy SEAL. And he and I were giving a talk once to a bunch of people and we were talking about reward processes in the brain and how SEALs do it and what neuroscience thinks. And someone asked us a really good question. They said, how do I continue to tap into this dopamine system? And our answer was, be very careful with extrinsic rewards. Make sure that your dopamine system is attached more to the effort process than it ever is to any external reward. And it's because of a very important principle of dopamine rewards. It's what neuroscientists call dopamine reward prediction error. It is the reward prediction error is the reason why people that work, 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 work in pursuit of a goal and then reach that goal become miserable and don't know what to do with themselves. Reward prediction error says you always need the dopamine at the final stage to exceed all the, the little bits of dopamine you got and root to that reward, or you will actually be disappointed. You'll experience a sort of postpartum depression of sorts. Exactly. So the key is learn to attach reward to the effort process. You know, I'm not David Goggins psychologist and, um, but I do know David and he's come out to my lab before we've had some conversations. I don't know what his process is except as he's described it, but I have the sense based on what I know about neuroscience and knowing a little bit about his story and having read his book that he's learned to attach some sort of internal reward mechanism to the pursuit and friction process. It's not about feeling good about some external milestone. It's about learning how to tap into this, this engine that we have. And I actually do believe to that in knowing some people from the special operations community, that this is actually one of the things that they are selected for is not just grit or resilience. It's actually this ability to reward oneself internally in their mind as a way to buffer the effort process. It gives them more gas, more of an engine. And it's not just special operations, people that make it through cancer treatment, 
people that raise a, a special needs child or make it through a tough stage of you know, economics in their life. You know, many people are probably in that situation right now. Sure. It's about learning how to take that strain, the feeling that you're being something or some force or some life force is trying to push you back on your heels and learning how to use self-reward, not delusional thinking, but self-reward as a means to get more energy to continue to plow forward. It's a, it's a real thing. Wow. So good. Uh, by the way, it's interesting you say that when I interviewed David, we've become real good friends. We've done a lot of things together since that. He said something when I interviewed him that's along those lines and it surprised me. It's, I sort of stared at him for a minute. We were talking about the, uh, the endurance races that he does. And he goes, uh, and I don't care if I win. And I just stared at him. He goes, I'm, I'm more concerned with the fact that I'm making the effort and that I finish. And I thought, wow, that's exactly along the lines. It's one of the, it was actually the thing that stood out to me um, when we were having that conversation. And as you just that's said, sit so, in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, it. Growth, that's the real growth mindset. You know, a lot of people, hashtag growth mindset is one of the most popular hashtags in social media, but most people don't actually know what it means. And again, this is Carol Dweck's discovery, not mine. It was discovered in a group of kids that were doing math problems or other kinds of puzzles that they knew they couldn't get right, but they enjoy doing them and they perform exceedingly well on lots of sorts of tests of that sort when there is the right answer, of course. And so what they do is they somehow they're wired for effort. They're wired for the puzzle, not for the solution. Want to hear more? Visit Dr. Huberman and Ed Milet on The Ed Milet Show. Listen to the full interview, Elite Brain Training with Dr. Andrew Huberman. Links to the episode, their social media, and the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins are in the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>